Welcome back, everybody. And if you're watching this show live, that means today is Friday. Actually, it's Friday, the 23rd of February. This month is blowing by, and uh, that is all good news because that means we are approaching spring, approaching warmer weather, and approaching golf season, uh, which I am anxiously looking forward to slicing balls deep into the woods. But um, we are back talking tech on the Sam's Report, and it's been an interesting week. We are, there's a holiday here in the U.S., um, but some other things were going on. Uh, we got some look at some arm pricing and uh, yeah, just let's just dive in, shall we? One of the big things that's coming out here is that 5G, which if you're not familiar with that, there's LTE, which is quote unquote 4G. And now the next generation of wireless technology is coming and Intel is jumping out early and saying that, hey, next year, actually, I believe it's the second half of next year, they are going to have uh, Windows 10 PCs that support native 5G technology or connectivity, I should say. And Intel is coming out ahead of this with uh, ahead of Mobile World Congress, which is kicking off here soon. Um, I believe it's next week. I think Samsung's big thing is on Sunday. There's actually typically a lot of things on the weekend ahead of it, much like CES. And so we're going to see a lot of new smartphones. Um, nothing. Samsung's stuff is already leaked. And the phone kind of looks just like every other Samsung phone, just evolutionary and all that good stuff. But they're in their teasers, they were talking a lot about camera technology. So we'll have to see what they have up their sleeve for that. But that will be coming, and it looks like it's going to be another $800 to $1,000 phone, uh, depending on which size and model you buy. But, you know, be on the lookout for that. But anyways, so ARM is also going to be supporting 5G. No surprise there, because uh, Qualcomm does all that stuff. So we're going to see a little bit of a race here, because we know that ARM PCs are coming. Actually, they're coming uh, relatively soon. We'll talk more about it in a minute, because the HP NVX2 is now up for pre-order. And so ARM, obviously, or Qualcomm, clearly is going to support 5G because they make the Snapdragon chips that are just in about every single phone. And so Intel is coming out and saying, hey, look, we're going to support it too on Windows 10 PCs. And so there's going to be a little bit of an, I was going to say an arms race unintentionally, uh, but, but a, a race between, let's see, the ARM-based PCs and Intel because they're all going to be trying to support integrated 5G. So the only reason I kind of hesitate and say that ARM might come first, even though they probably already have this stuff and all like it's going to come down to Windows 10 supporting it, right? It's one thing to have the chipset, uh, but Windows 10 has to have support for it. And I suspect that those things might come online at about the same time. But uh, be on the lookout for that. And we're going to learn more uh, about what 5G, it, you know, it's promising gigabit type style uh, connectivity, which means a couple hundred megs per second, which would be really cool. And it offers uh, essentially untethered streaming. The real kind of benefit here or the easiest one to think about is having wearing a headset that has a 5G chip in it and it can beam um, content directly to it without having to be tethered. LTE is good, but it's not it's not the same. Um, it's just a next big jump in uh, connectivity. So we will see. But that is coming next year for Windows 10 PCs. And Intel is uh, early out of the gate with that information for Mobile World Congress. Uh, other things that were kind of announced this week, Google is getting more uh, detailed in their direction with PWA support. We've talked a lot about PWAs. It's good to see them officially coming out and starting talking about it very publicly in the direction that they're taking. So Good news all around for PWAs. And uh, third party, a duplex also said that the fall creators update is now on 85% of Windows 10 PCs. That's pretty dang good. That That's pretty dang good. Uh, in my opinion, Microsoft's just kind of pumping this stuff out now, mostly because they're getting ready to launch uh, 1803, which should arrive uh, likely next month, I would imagine here. 
thus 1803. Sometimes they slip into the next month, but I suspect that it'll actually launch next month, at least based on what I've heard so far. And uh, so they re they really need everyone all in on the last gen for as much as they can, or the last update, so that they can start pumping out the new update. Not a big surprise there, but that's actually really good that they are getting comfortable with pushing it. Um, I'm It's going to take up here uh, for another couple weeks, but then next month it's going to start dropping because people will move to 1803. But um, I'm curious what the remaining 15% are actually running. It might be very intentional that they're not updating at this point. So I don't know if it would ever truly get to 100% or even close to that or like 95 or above. But um, 85 is pretty dang good. I would imagine that encompasses most of the consumer line. Most of the consumer line. So good stuff all around. Although 1803, I would imagine, should go out pretty quickly too because I don't think there's any too crazy changes under the hood. And you would think that with every single update, Microsoft should, in theory, get a little bit better, a little bit more confident, a little bit more streamlined in pushing these things out. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they can ever get mass adoption in, say, like the first month or something like that. A mass meaning over 50%. And so, yeah, interesting. Interesting, interesting stuff. Good job, Microsoft. They, they deserve that. Uh, also, other good things Microsoft has done, if you're using a Surface Pro 3, you are now protected against Spectre and Meltdown. So Microsoft pushed out an update for that. So older hardware getting a little bit of love from Microsoft, and um, that's all good there. Which actually, thinking about that for a second, um, I, I'm curious if anybody has ever actually sold any Surface hardware. I haven't. Um, although I did purchase with my own money at one point a Surface Book, one of these Surface Books that I have around here, I did actually buy um, for various reasons. Um, but I'm curious if, if anybody's ever actually sold one of these things. Remember, they're priced like MacBooks. They're priced in the Apple price points. They're kind of pitched as Apple competitors. But the retaining value of these devices, I don't, I don't actually know. I've never actually tried to sell one of these things to see is like, hey, is it like trying to sell an iPhone where it's very easy to get uh, good money for it? Or is it like just like any other PC in the secondhand market? If anybody's actually ever sold anything service, I'd be very curious to know um, your opinions about it. So uh, speaking of secondhand hardware, which actually it's a terrible segue. Uh, oh, I reviewed this thing this week over on Threat.com if you haven't read it yet. This is the uh, Kit Sound, a company you've never heard from of unless you're in the UK. They're coming to the US and this is their Voice One. It has the Amazon Assistant built in. And to be honest, it's a big resounding kind of... Uh, this thing is huge, first off. It's 15 inches tall. Do your happy uh, centimeter conversion. I don't actually know what that one is uh, off the top of my head. I know Celsius, but not centimeters for whatever reason. The nice thing about it, we'll start with that. Uh, USB out. It's not a USB in, so you can charge your phone off of it. It has line in. Um, it supports Bluetooth. But at the end of the day, sound quality isn't that good. Uh, compar comparative, it's definitely not as good as like the Invoke that sits back here. Uh, the Sonos One is not, it's much better than this. And the thing, the reason why I'm so disappointed in the sound is you can see there's this massive hole back here and there's this giant cavity. And typically when you have a big voluminous cavity like that with a, a speaker or a driver, um, you should get really lows, good lows. And, and generally speaking, um, generally speaking better sound quality but you don't and so that's it um the other thing is too you can see here see how this center knob like see how liberally that is moving in there like it doesn't it for this thing is 150 bucks 150 us by the way uh for the price point it, it, the value it's not quite there it does have a remote um which is kind of nice so if you're like if you need absolute flexibility in with an uh 
echo i don't want to say the name type speaker that's not a bad choice but if you don't buy it for the sound quality um, and don't buy it for the build quality just buy it for the playback flexibility so just kind of keep that in mind um other things that have happened this week, Google has disclosed yet another bug in Microsoft software before it was patched, this time in Windows 10. I have very mixed opinions about how they're doing this uh, every time this comes up, mostly because this is the second one that has fallen um, that Microsoft has not had time to patch. Yes, I am very much in favor of uh, security and doing all that and protecting the end user, which is what Google is trying to do. I, I, there's, there's merit in what they're trying to do, but the problem is when they release it that Microsoft can't patch it in 90 days. Uh, yeah. Uh, there was actually an interview between Terry Meyerson and Brad Anderson recently, and Terry uh, very bluntly believes that Windows, Windows, the core of Windows, is the largest software project on the planet, at least that Microsoft is aware of. And I, I tend to believe that. I, I don't know what software, software package would be larger than that. And so patching something that is the largest software product on the planet isn't easy because there's a lot of places you got to look, a lot of impact. And so Google pushing this stuff out, especially on Windows, it's tough because Microsoft, they're working with 30 years of legacy code, essentially. And they've got to, they've got to work on all of this. And um, it's not, it's just not quite the same. I'd be wondering if Microsoft would ever just get pissed off and start just digging into older versions of Android and then just start saying, hey, patch this uh, because there's still devices out in the wild. I don't know. At the end of the day, they're trying to make the play the world a little bit, a little bit more secure place. But at the same time, they're not doing so because now these exploits are out and uh, you're vulnerable. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Um, speaking of Spectre and Meltdown and all that stuff, Intel released. Uh, I'm going to go with round two of fixes for Skylake, KB Lake, and Coffee Lake chips. Um, I'm I'm holding off personally from patching my machine. You know, take your own advice on what you're doing here. But the last time Intel pushed these things out, they thought they were safe and sound, and then issues popped up. And so I'm I will patch my machines eventually uh, in the coming weeks. But um, I get a little nervous when you, when Intel already screwed this up once, and they they've they've had some troubles with this stuff. And so now you know they're saying that these are good. And so take it as you will. Um, yeah. Uh, other things that Microsoft announced this week, Mixer, which is their game streaming, their Twitch competitor, their YouTube, I believe, live is their gaming live competitor. Uh, you can now direct purchase features from streams. Um, so basically, if you're watching a gaming stream and they they can put up a little ad and says, hey, buy this game or add on. I believe there's some revenue share there. Uh, yeah, actually, I'm almost positive there's revenue share there. So Microsoft trying to get creative with how that they can further incentivize people to use Mixer over Twitch and all that good stuff. Uh, speaking of streaming and all that stuff. Things that were announced this week that tangibly relate to Microsoft, Discord, which is a very popular, I use it as well, a very popular chat and voice communications app used by gamers. Uh, Discord signs an eSport uh, agreement, I believe it was with Overwatch League, to only be able to use Discord, or I guess they're going to be the primary sponsor. Um, Microsoft, what the hell are you doing with Skype? Like, I know people are going to be like, ah, oh, Skype isn't as good as Discord. Fine, whatever. I'm not arguing the merits of discord versus skype but skype can do everything that discord can right it you can do game chat you can do all that stuff i've i've used it before for that exact reason microsoft i don't know what they're doing with skype but that's a perfect place to start advertising skype right that's a new generation of people that aren't really exposed to skype they're exposed to discord why not get that skype branding out there a little bit because you're sitting at 300 million active users and it hasn't grown in four or five years 
if they've got to do something and esports is a great way to do it because skype is built perfectly for it it's essentially just a, a voip app running in the background is what discord does with a little bit of chat functionality and you could do all that in skype i don't know i i just i really want to see skype get some traction because it is getting better even though i rip on it all the time it is getting somewhat better but uh, Microsoft needs an incentive to do to make it better. And I don't know, eSports is a great place to grow, and it's a massive market. Uh, some people are very confused about why eSports is uh, a thing. So let me, let me put it this way. I know it, it's not quite tangible, but growing up, you would see um, people play football on Sunday, and then I would go out and play football with my friends. Now you can watch, uh, you can go play Call of Duty, and then you can watch professionals play Call of Duty for a lot of money. It's, it's a very parallel thing and um esports gaming is not going away it's only growing and overwatch league is like in like 20 million dollars for streaming rights it's it's growing up massively it might even be higher than that i might be way off um but yeah I, esports is interesting it's a it's a huge market huge market uh speaking of huge market um I, th I think we have another fun scenario at least in my life personally of when Microsoft was yet again too early for a market and they missed it and I definitely think Mike I would love it if Microsoft would bring back Media Center and I think now is a, not a bad time to do so let me explain why um Media Center was launched around the time of when I know someone will clarify or correct me on this, but it launched roughly around the time of when cable cards were supposed to be huge. And cable cards was the idea that you have this stupid cable box from the cable company and they charge you a whole bunch of money for. And there were some laws passed or whatever that says, hey, you have to be able to support cable cards, which are cable cards are you can just bring your own card and put it into a PC or another box. It was trying to get away from being locked in to the rental fees being charged by cable companies. And so Media Center kind of fit into this. It's like, hey, bring your cable card and put it in your PC and use your PC as a home theater. And it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. The problem is the cable card never really caught on. It, it didn't. But now what's catching on in, in very large volume is cord cutting, which is just removing completely the scenario of using cable at all. And, you know, we can talk about cord cutting forever. But the idea here is that a lightweight Roku, think like Roku or Apple TV style media center box would be amazing for Microsoft right now. It would be perfect. Ties into all your stuff. You can throw a Skype on there. You can throw a OneDrive. You can do just a nice little streaming box that competes with Roku. Uh, we, we've talked a lot about an Xbox streaming stick, but I think that media center like in an Apple TV style little box would be amazing right now. And it'd support Netflix. It'd support Hulu. Um, it would tie into your Windows 10 PC. It, I think if micro that's the perfect spot for media center, the hardware is now at the point where they can build a small little box that will run all that stuff. It's not like we don't have the compute power anymore uh, because previously you needed a large media center box, right? Because you needed all that horsepower to run it. Now we can get that into a tiny little box um, running on an arm chip. And I would love for Microsoft to bring back media center. Now I think, I think the market makes more sense now than it did back when they originally launched it because there's tons of and tons and tons of, people moving away from cable and are looking for that solution. Granted, there are great options like Plex. Uh, many people keep recommending me to try out Plex, and maybe I will here in the near future. Um, you have products like an HD Home Run that allow you to get your cable TV to your network uh, without actually having to put a tuner into your PC. It, it, the whole market is now ripe for this, and it's probably why Apple TV is doing so well, and it's also part of the reason probably why Roku, granted their public facing perspective I, 
they're a public company, which I might be might have been a mistake, although investors probably wanted to cash out. Um, isn't as strong this year, but they're still doing like three hundred million dollars a year in sales of this stuff. And yeah, the the media center is ripe for the return. I don't see it happening anytime soon. If they're gonna well, I don't think they're going to attempt to taint the uh, Xbox brand anymore. But man, I would I would love for Media Center to come back, and so I could dump Apple TVs in my house. But you know, reason and nothing's wrong with the Apple TV 4K. It's a great product. I have two of them. Um, just bought them last month. The problem is, is I don't run Mac. I don't. I don't. I do have iPhones, which helps. But I don't. My primary PC where all my content is is on a uh, what's well, on Windows 10. It's not on OS X or Mac OS, whatever the hell it's called these days. So, anyways, I would love for Media Center to return. That's just a personal opinion. But here we are. Uh, I said we would talk about ARM PCs at the beginning of the show a little bit more, and so I want to throw this out there because I think this is this is going to be a problem potentially here. Um, so HP this week put up pre-orders for their ARM PCs, and I've got got it here. And so what this is is their HP NVX2. The problem is here it's it's a thousand bucks. Man, I I know that they're trying. I, I, they don't want to undercut the performance of these machines by the price point because if this thing was priced at three forty nine, just making up a number there, people would be like, "Ah, oh, man, I bet it sucks," Pre- much like Windows RT devices did. But here we are at a thousand bucks, and what you get is Windows 10 S. Fine, it's probably Windows 10 S mode, uh, Windows 10 Home and S mode might be actually what it is. Um, Qualcomm Snapdragon processor which is an 835. We already know that, but four gigs of memory and 128 gigs of storage. And then I don't know, I'm not super familiar with Adreno 540 GPU uh, at a desktop level. We know on the phone it works fine, but I don't know how well it works on a like laptop. And then the screen sign is fine and the resolution is fine. But a thousand bucks for that, guys. Um, what do you get for, let's go to Surface here, surface.com. What do you get in the Surface Pro for a thousand bucks these days? I typically know. Service Pro, buy now. So when they go at a thousand bucks, so we are seven ninety nine there. That's too much. That's an M three. Wait, what? <laughs> so this is the most Microsoft thing ever. On a small tangent here, for those of you not watching on the video stream, this won't make sense. Um, so for seven hundred ninety nine bucks on Microsoft's Surface Pro site right now, you can get an Intel Core i five. 128 gigs of storage and four gigs of RAM for 799. That's a Core i5. Also for 799, you can get a Core M3, 128 gigs of storage and four gigs of RAM. Why the hell would you buy an M3 version when you can get the i5 version for the same price? Come on, Microsoft. <laughs> this is this is very much a Microsoft thing. Okay, so but anyways, so originally this thing was a thousand bucks. So we'll we'll just keep it at a thousand for that matter. So would you rather get a Core i5 uh, with, what, are, what else are you getting? What's the graphics? I don't know. It's probably, the graphics are probably relatively-ish comparable. But you're looking at an i5 versus uh, Snapdragon 835. I, I can't see the 835 outperforming an i5. I, I, don't, I don't see that happening. Um, hmm. I, I think this thing is overpriced. 
does the HP come with the keyboard somebody actually recommends? Actually, does it come with? It might come with one, and that that would actually make a difference. So, so yes, it does come with a keyboard. So that is actually a good differentiator. So there, so the Microsoft one is seven ninety nine. Currently, okay. Well, let let's spice it up a little, if you will. Microsoft's Surface is currently seven ninety nine, so eight hundred bucks plus one hundred and fifty ish for a keyboard. So you're looking at you're still looking at less money with the keyboard. Granted, this is older older stuff, but then so is this. Like the i five in here is the last gen, uh, but this is an eight thirty five, which is last gen. Yeah, I think it's overpriced. Per- personally speaking, personally speaking, but that's. That's it. Somebody says, what about a stylus? So Microsoft told me, I, I don't know if it was public or private, but only like 15% of people use a pen. So the stylus, while neat or interesting, isn't really a big differentiator. Um, hmm. But anyway, so these things roughly are about the same price. So you're looking at 1000 bucks for the HP Envy X2 all-in. That includes uh, a keyboard. Microsoft Surface with an i5, same storage and everything else, is about 1000 bucks with the keyboard. Um that that's a tough buy in my in my personal opinion i would trust the i5 more than i would trust the snapdragon only because the snapdragon's brand new Um, we also know that windows on arm doesn't support things like uh, hyper v and so you are a little bit more limited in what is actually able to run on that so a thousand bucks thousand bucks folks i'd be curious to see how well or how well this doesn't do but um yeah Yep, yep, yep. So we got a bunch of questions this week, which is, again, always my favorite part. So I am going to refresh the page here. Uh, This might be like one of the most questions ever. Or there's just a lot of commentary, which is always a good thing. So waiting for the comments to load here. Refresh, sort. Uh, Clark B says, do you have any concerns uh, regarding OEM device makers, spyware, and data tracking being built into third-party speakers and digital assistants with Amazon, Siri, or Google? So this is an interesting question, uh, mostly because you have things like this. This is a third-party device running it. And in theory, we don't fully know what's going on there. I guess it could run a packet sniffer and try to see what is actually being blasted out. Um, I I think the concern is real. And I will also say that any company found doing this will fully tank their company being caught. Worse than a PC, mostly because when you put, for example... Uh, Sonos. I have an Echo One or a Sonos One that runs Amazon's thing, and if it came out that they were actually sniffing or siphoning off the information to sell because that microphone is always on, I would be extremely upset with Sonos, and I would probably that would be enough probably to get me to sell a lot of my stuff or at least never buy it because they would lose trust in their users. And that is a huge deal because the microphone's always on and there's enough cameras and everything else in my house that uh, people want to steal my whole entire life. There are more than enough devices to do that. But to find out that a company is intentionally doing it, it's a very real concern. Um, I have a lot of trust in Sonos right now that they, they're not going to go down that route. And that's one of the probably the only third parties. But it, it's something you need to be aware of that if you're buying a cheap knockoff. Um, it, to be aware of it. it. We don't really have enough information to know because uh, to his point, he says, uh, Lenovo and Vizio all had issues with this stuff. And it, it would be a serious... Why did my phone just turn on? Because I thought I said Siri. Uh, it would be... Uh, <laughs> it would be a huge 
a huge impact. So, uh, do I have concerns about it? Not right now, but I can see how people could be. I very much could be. J.R. Thorne says, is there any fix for Windows 10 Office 365 Word Outlook copy, cut, and paste? 50% of the time, it doesn't work. Uh, no, there isn't. This, is an, this isn't, I don't even think, limited to Outlook. I have this problem on Windows 10 1709 right now. All the time, copy and paste just doesn't work. So, I got, I got nothing for you because it's, a, it's an actual issue with Windows 10. Uh, my only thing is, is that just hit Control-C three times when you want to copy something, and then it should work. Uh, Mr. PKI asks, what surprises will we see a build from the Azure cloud side, a man after my own heart? Um, I don't know. We're still a little far out. Um, I, what I want to hear, I want to hear about where Cosmo DB is headed because Microsoft made a big splash about this low latency backed by SL, I was going to say SLIs, SLI, that's graphics uh, linking technology, SLAs. Uh, but we haven't heard too much about where Cosmo DB has gone since that announcement. It's very interesting platform and product for me. Uh, but um, I don't actually know yet. Obviously, we're going to see a lot of developer-related stuff. More interesting thing about Build right now is that it hasn't sold out yet. Uh, Microsoft typically sold Build out very quickly. They're either A, have a lot more seats this year and are attracting a much larger group. Uh, B, they're not getting as much traction because people don't are just aren't as interested in Windows. Or C, people are more interested in going to I.O. Or D, that companies don't want to spend uh, $2,500 plus hotel and airfare to send their employees to Seattle to learn more about this. Um, whatever it is, Build hasn't sold out yet, which is the first time uh, in recent memory that I can ever remember this actually being or happening. So I don't, I don't know. We, we got to wait until we get closer. Bots, I think, is also going to be up there, too. We're going to see a lot of stuff about Teams and Office uh, extensibility. I know for a fact Teams is getting not a, a reinvigorated push. That's an improper phrasing. But they're getting more and more focused around Teams as being better, the, the, the collaboration hub for Microsoft. And so they're pushing more companies to build stuff and build on top of Teams to help drive further adoption. Uh, T182 says, is Mahedi ever going to be on FRD? Probably not. Um, it's up to him. He can be on, but he, I don't think, I don't think he wants to be on right now. Um, but he is more than welcome at any time. And I'm pretty sure he knows him. Uh, Wolfel asks, he says, we know that right now Microsoft is focused on two things from an OS platform point of view, Mo mobility for now, Andromeda, Windows Core OS, always connected PCs and the rise of 5G. And for the future, AI, quantum computing, mixed reality. But there's a secondary technology that Microsoft is, but is there a sec section of technology that Microsoft is secretly working on that we don't know? It seems that Microsoft is always working on something in the market that we don't know, like health. Um, I would be, I would look more to see Microsoft's research is doing, uh, but they don't always lead the product now. That is absolutely true. Uh, <laughs> I'm patiently waiting for the next future video from Microsoft. Those future videos that he was referring to typically show off like a five to ten year outlook of where Microsoft think the, thinks the market is heading, and then they try to build and do all that stuff. Uh, HoloLens came out of that. Um, some other mobile stuff did too. So is there some sort of super secret technology? Well, you could argue that Andromeda and OneCore is their super secret technology um, that they're working on because they haven't come out publicly and talked about it. Uh, but their big thing is they're still just working to slowly modernize Windows so that it can be run on more efficient form factors. Could ARM chips, granted they had the power today, run Windows uh, from 10 years ago? I don't think so. I, I don't actually think that would have been possible. So this is all headed in the right direction. It's can Microsoft get there fast enough to make sure that this actually, uh, well, that Windows survives. 
And so what else is Microsoft working on behind the hood or under the hood, behind the hood, whatever you want to call it. Uh, there's a lot of cloud stuff. They're working feverishly in the cloud that gets a lot of focus just because that's revenue growth. Windows Windows isn't really a revenue growth. It's more revenue sustainability at this point, right? I think everyone can agree with that. But here we are. Uh, I, I don't know if there's anything super secret. You kind of nailed all their big initiatives right now. Uh, Krem asks, he says, hey, Brad, I hope, I hope you can do some digging around here. Why is Office 365 University not available in the store? That just seems like typical Microsoft for me, uh, going 90% of the way and refusing to deliver the last 10%. That is a very interesting question. It's a pure licensing thing as to why it would not be in the store. Um, it might have to do with where you can actually buy Office 365 University, and that might be the only logical thing I can think about why it's not in the store. Other than that, I don't actually know. Uh JLV632 says, coming from Melbourne, Australia, it looks like I might find myself in Washington, uh, Seattle sometime in June this year after a Vegas weekend. Uh, is making a 20-mile detour worth it from Seattle to see Microsoft Redmond Visitor Center? I suspect I won't see much as a member of the public, but have you ever been and anything you can see? Um, yeah, I have. I've been to Microsoft's campus many times. I went last year. I've, I've been to Microsoft's campus uh, like every year for the past probably 10 years or so. Uh, you know, you kind of kind of put this, it's it's probably, think of it, well, first off, if you're in Seattle and you're going to Redmond, do not try to go in the morning and do not try to go late in the evening because the traffic is a dumpster fire. And if you ever follow anybody from the Seattle area, they will confirm that uh, every day because of traffic being a dumpster fire. So definitely try to go up there at like 10 and plan to leave at like 2. If you're a fan of Microsoft and you've never been, yeah, I would go. It's a neat place to kind of see the campus. The campus is massive, by the way. And you can go up and just poke around and play with stuff. And there's also a Microsoft store, uh, a company store up there that you can go to and get some fun shirts and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I would go personally. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast and you're on Throt and you're a fan of Microsoft, I would say, why not? You know, you can take an Uber up there for about 20. Uh, don't quote me on that. I might be way off. I'm going to say like 20 bucks round up there and then 20 bucks back. Um, there's food. You can do whatever. And I, I would personally go. Per That's just me. Um, if you have any friends at Microsoft or that you follow on Twitter and all that stuff, reach out to them. Be like, hey, I'm going to be on campus. I'm sure they'd be happy to meet you. Um, and there's always stuff going on, especially if you're going in, let's see, June. Is that what you said? Um, June's kind of a big, well, big month. I mean, it's quarter end. So there's going to be a lot of people there. And there's typically a lot of events on campus every once in a while. So I would go personally. Jim Chaplin says, when is 1803 development going to wind down? It seems like they're adding features pretty late in the cycle. Um, I believe it's winding down right now. The features that they're adding in the cycle, they're, they've already been in there. They're just turning them on. And so you got to remember that Microsoft is now patching on the fly. It does everything very fluid. And so it will launch and they'll patch it. There'll be a day one patch just like always. And so I would imagine here in the next couple of weeks, we will get uh, better information about when everything will be fully locked down. And then they're going to ship it. Uh, relatively aggressively, I would fully expect. Um, Mark Marco Simo Simo says it is 2018. Why is Microsoft still making a 32-bit bit operating system? Basically, doubles the number of SKUs and provides uh, prevents moving from into 64 applications. Well, they have to. There's a lot of legacy hardware out there that they want running Windows 10. Um, they really don't have a choice. They Because Microsoft doesn't control all the hardware at this point, um, building 32-bit, it's going to be a requirement here for a little bit longer. They can't just shut it off because they want 
every one of their customers moving everything they can off of older uh, operating systems to newer, to the Windows 10. And if that older stuff is running 32-bit, they don't want to leave them out of this. And I suspect that from Microsoft's standpoint, the difference between 32-bit and 64-bit isn't a whole lot of work internally. Uh, trust me, they I'm guarantee that they look at revenue and where their money's coming from. And if they could cut off 32-bit and not have any sort of impact, they would. But uh, if it's minimal amount of work and they can make money off of it, there you go. Uh, HRLNGRV says, uh, regarding always on PC, some carriers claim to have fully unlimited LTE data plans, but somehow I can't see any carrier allowing uh, anyone to clone their full one terabyte of George, uh, what do you figure unlimited will actually mean? Actually, all these guys that have unlimited, uh, it's a crock of baloney um, because what it is, it's unlimited. But after, say, like 20 gigs or so, then they cut you off and they put you on like EVDO, EVDDO, EVDO, is that what it was on um, CDMA? But they cut you down to something slower than even 3G. And so it's technically unlimited because you can keep streaming and all that stuff, but you're getting no uh, bandwidth or throughput. So, you know, I agree that once we go to 5G and it's on all the laptops, I mean, this problem exists today. They sell laptops like that uh, with LTE chips. You can get like 20 down on a, on LTE. It's not like it's slow or anything. And so you can run up those gigabytes real quick. And what they do is they just cut you off or do they just charge you a whole bunch of money. Unlimited is not truly unlimited. Unlimited is used to say, Hey, you can keep streaming, but we will throttle the hell out of your speed. Uh, Ponsili says with no consumer ecosystem of services in Microsoft portfolio, is it fair to la label Andromeda as enterprise only? No, it is not. I, Microsoft still has a lot of consumer stuff. First off, they have this thing. Uh, not pointing to the Echo thing. Uh, they have the Xbox. Uh, they have they have OneDrive consumer. They have Outlook.com. Um, they have OneNote. They have Office. They have a lot of consumer services, just not a lot of consumer hardware, I think is a better way to phrase it. But even Surface, the laptop line is all primarily, well, I shouldn't say primarily. The Pro Surface Pro is actually more primary uh, in the business world. They have a Surface laptop, which is consumer-driven. And so it's definitely not an enterprise only going to be an going to be an enterprise only device. Uh, Dan Storm Seven says, "Have you heard from anyone internally whether there are, are problems in Windows development at the moment? Right now, there has been a statistically significant reduction of builds pushed out to the fast ring during RS4 compared to RS3. I don't know the actual numbers pushed during RS3 and RS4 off the top of my head. And even when they're supposed to be in uh, code stabilization." Uh, you expect cadence and builds to increase. I agree that when they get into the stabilization, they should be pushing up more builds. Uh, there's a fair chunk of minor changes in RS4, though. Timeline is really the only marquee feature, but it just feels like Microsoft is struggling with Redstone 4 for some reason. So you're not too far off the mark. Microsoft got real quiet about their development efforts uh, and new features for specific reasons of the fact that they could not ship certain features on time, such as Cloud Clipboard, still not coming. Uh, timeline is coming, but... They got real quiet because we were kept saying, you guys are promising features that aren't coming. Groove Music Maker is another one that has never materialized and never will. And so um, you're not wrong. Struggling, I think, is might be the wrong word, but they are just streamlining to make sure that they don't make promises they can't keep anymore because that, but that's a very bad thing for their public image. And so there you go. Uh, RS4 is a very minor release i don't even know why they're they could get away with just doing nothing and people wouldn't even know um, the only thing people are going to see are some fluent updates i don't know how many people are honestly going to use timeline other than power users which means that the insiders could have they could have just kept it insiders and blah 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 
Uh, anyways, are they struggling though? I don't think struggling is correct. I think they're still trying to get into this two updates per year, which Microsoft go to one um, update cadence because the second update always kind of gets mooched. They're already well into RS5 planning and development. And so RS4 is kind of moving to the back burner uh, other than bug fixes. So uh, Peter K says, can we expect a Surface 3 replacement based on ARM? I don't know. I don't think so, actually. Now that I, I think this Andromeda device is going to run an ARM chip. I don't think they are going to put ARM in a Surface uh, style device. Personally, I could be completely wrong. And maybe they will... No, I, I, I was going to say maybe they will do an ARM chip with Gigabit, but then Intel is going to have that and it would just create more confusion. Um, price point's not going to be any different. No going off of the HPE, that 1000 bucks. So it's not like they could put that Snapdragon chip in there and just lower the price point 300 bucks. That's not going to happen. So uh, I don't think we're going to actually see a Surface 3 replacement, even though it did have a smaller screen than the Pro. Um, I, I don't see it happening. I think it's just going to dilute their Surface brand, personally speaking. And then, oh gosh, Akshay Sug says, the future of PWA's mass adoption and feature parity depends on, on the fact that both are, both Apple and Google embrace it fully. My question here is, what would be the incentive for both Apple and Google to do so since this cuts some revenue exclusivity and underscores their usage? So here, here's one reason why Google will absolutely do this, and it's Chrome OS, right? They want Chrome OS uh, on their Chromebooks to become the next big thing for them. And the best way to do that is PWAs. PWAs mean that it work on their phone, means it work on their, their laptops or their, their desktop class OS, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and PWAs solve the problem of them having to try to run mobile apps on a desktop, which Google pretty much, I don't want to say pretty much failed, but they struggled with significantly. Microsoft struggled with it significantly as well. Google did as well. And so PWA solved that problem. So there's a big incentive for Google to support PWAs because now their Chrome OS becomes a much more viable competitor to say Windows. It very much does. Now, why would Apple go there? I agree that it can cut into their revenue through the store. Uh, it very much can. I don't think the store is going to go away. My, they could take Microsoft's approach and say, yes, you can run PWAs, but you got to run them through the store. Uh, Apple would is very heavy-fisted when it comes to that, and they could very much go to that. I can't imagine, I mean, Google's making some money from their Google Play Store, but I think for them, the bigger incentive is to get Chrome OS up and running uh, to become a bigger threat to Mac OS and uh, iOS and Windows, for that matter. So Google has a massive incentive. Apple's not so much, but if the rest of the industry, Microsoft and Google, push PWAs, Apple is going to feel the pressure because then people will be able to get their applications up and running on Windows, Chrome OS, and Android faster than iOS. And um, Apple's all in about selling hardware, and so if they can support PWAs, they can sell more hardware. Not to mention, by the way, PWAs on an iPad would make a lot of sense too. On the phone, I understand on the phone why they may not be super as lucrative, but on, a, on an iPad... Uh, especially as Google or Apple looks to merge iOS and macOS, it solves a lot of the problems. So, so that is that, guys. Wow, have my trusty dusty water, and it is raining like crazy outside right now. I can actually hear it. But um, that wraps up the questions, guys. I, always good questions. Very much appreciated. That almost twenty of them this week. Um, I, I did combine some of them because they were repetitive, but uh, never feel free, never be afraid. If you're ever wondering where that thread is, uh, just follow me on Twitter at BD Sam's because I tweet it out and say, hey, if you have any questions, just drop them here. That's the easiest way. Or you can find it on throt.com uh, slash forum slash Sam's report, and you will see it there. I usually put it up uh, roughly Thursday afternoon 
um, ahead of the podcast. So with that, guys, I'm going to end it here. And as always, thanks for tuning in. Very much appreciate it. I'll be curious to see what next week brings with Mobile World Congress, if there's actually anything that's kind of exciting. Uh, obviously, there's not going to be any... Win well, if there's a Windows phone there, I that would be amazing. But I cannot imagine that happening. But have yourselves a wonderful weekend, guys, and I'll catch you right back here next time.